I don't know about you, but there are certain aromas that just seem to take me places. Uh, every time that I'm driving and I smell the smell of fresh cut hay, makes me want to call my grandpa. Uh, I wasn't real excited about it when there was a kid growing up and smelling cut hay, because that just meant we had to work every day till all the hay was up. There was no days off. And so sometimes that became a little bit grueling and kind of ran into my uh, free time. But now that I smell that fresh cut hay, I'm ready to call my grandpa uh, and visit with me. Boy, the smell of pine trees, when I smell that smell of pine, it just makes me think about uh, camping and we would go out in Colorado and, and find a place in the hills and we would camp and hike and, and walk all over and sometimes spend the whole weekend and not even see another person. I smell that smell of pine and I often think about those things. Sometimes those aromas that we smell, sometimes they may be pleasant aromas to us, but to someone else they may not be so pleasant. Uh, I remember talking to a girl one time and I asked her if she liked the smell of roses. And she says, no, I do not like the smell of roses. It reminds me of a funeral. Uh, when she was a young girl, someone in her family passed away and they were a lover of roses. And for the funeral, everybody bought roses and there were just roses everywhere. And so when she smells roses, it takes her back to that day. And so the smell of roses is not a pleasing aroma for her. But for most of us, the smell of, of roses is something that's appealing. But for this girl, it was not something that was appealing. This morning, we continue our journey through 2 Corinthians. And as we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, uh, this passage, Paul is speaking to the people of Corinth, and he's speaking to them about being the aroma of Christ. And as we look at this passage this morning, we are going to be reminded that aroma matters. Now open your Bibles this morning, if you're not already there, to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and we want to pick up in verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. It says this, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest, because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, and to the other, a fragrance, fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many peddlers of God's word, as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Now, as we look at this passage this morning, there are two headings that we're going to use to kind of lead us through. The first heading is open doors of ministry. And the second heading is the fragrance of ministry. And as we move through this passage, those are going to be the two headings that we use that are going to lead us and direct us through this. Before we dive into this, let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we're grateful for this morning that you've given to us. Grateful, Lord, for this opportunity that we have to, to be able to sit in and look into your word. And Lord, I pray that as we look into your word, your word would look into us. 
I pray you'd open our heart and our mind to what you have for us. And I pray, Lord, that as we're here this morning, that we'll be able to say that we've heard from you. And so, Lord, guide our hearts and guide our minds so that when we leave, we can say we have heard from you. And it's in your son's name we pray these things. Amen. We have nothing on as far as remote goes, Nate, so I think you're going to have to stay awake and push the button for me. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, Nate, I didn't mean to pick on you. The first thing we want to look at is open doors of ministry. Look at verse 12 with me there. It says, when I came to Troas. Now, Troas is a place that's in Asia Minor. Uh, it was a Roman colony, and it was on the seaport of the Aegean Sea. And Troas was a major trade route between Macedonia, which was in Europe, and Asia. Everything came from, as it came from Europe and as it went to Asia, it came through Troas. So it's a major route of trade. And as we think about the Apostle Paul, as we think about his, his ministry, this would have been a place that Paul would have focused on because of the, the number of people passing through there uh, on a regular basis, kind of like Medina, just so many people moving through there. Uh, that's what Paul wanted, was those kinds of places. And Paul had been to Troas on his second missionary journey. Uh, we don't read about his ministry there. We don't see too much about his ministry there. But as he came to this area on his second missionary journey, it appeared as if the doors had been closed. Uh, this is Acts chapter 16, verse 6, and it says this, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Now verse 8 says this, So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, and he was urging them, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So as Paul was there in Troas, he was receiving the call to go to Macedonia. The door was open for him in Macedonia. So Paul came through there, but he went to Macedonia. Now this is his third missionary journey. When he's writing this letter, this is his third missionary journey. And he's here in Troas. And it's hard to believe that when he's in Troas, he's preaching the gospel. But that's what he's doing. Look at verse 12 as it continues. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ. Now, it's not a shock to us to see that Paul is preaching the gospel of Christ. That's what he's doing. That's the reason that he was there. Romans chapter 15, verse 20, Paul says this, Thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. He's, that's what he's motivated by. That's what he's focused on. And as he's in Troas, once again, he is proclaiming the gospel. And now he has this open door. He was in Troas, and he has this open door, and he is preaching to the people there the gospel. Verse 12 continues, and it says, Even though a door was open for me in the Lord. As we think about Paul here saying this open door, and speaking about this open door, this was a term that Paul had used in other circumstances. When he was writing to the church of Corinth, he was telling the church of Corinth 
about an open door of ministry that he was experiencing at Ephesus. Uh, and this is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8. Paul said this, I will stay, I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Paul now has an opportunity to speak in Troas. When he was in Troas before, the doors were closed. There wasn't an open door of ministry there. God was calling him to Macedonia. But now he's there, and he has this open door of ministry. And I think this is such an amazing thing, because at one time this door was closed, and now God has opened the door. And what a great opportunity for him. And sometimes as we think about closed doors and open doors of ministry, sometimes God does close a door for us for a time period, for a season. But we can look to God and expect him to open up the door when it's time. And that door is open now as Paul is there proclaiming. But notice what it says in verse 13. My spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. Paul had sent Titus to Corinth. And remember when we talked about this, that Paul sent Titus and he was carrying that severe letter of confrontation, correcting them for some of the things that were going on. That was the third letter that he has sent to Corinth. We have the first letter we don't have. First Corinthians is the second letter we have that. The third letter we don't have. And the fourth letter we have is Second Corinthians. You get all of that? It's like you're landing a plane, isn't it? You really want to steal second base, don't you? But that's how it works. And so this is the letter that he's writing. He had sent Titus to deliver the last letter. And so he's a little bit uneasy thinking about this. He's ministering here with this open door, proclaiming the gospel here in this open door, but within his own spirit, within his own self, he's concerned about Titus. And he's taking advantage of this opportunity to proclaim the gospel, but his spirit is not at rest. Uh, praying that he would receive uh, Titus back, he's praying that they would receive the correction that they need, the people of Corinth would hear that, uh, he's praying that they would repent. He's praying that their walk would be restored. Uh, his heart is there in Corinth, even though he's proclaiming here. And while he's waiting, his spirit is not at rest. Paul had no peace of heart. Now look at verse 13. So I took leave of them, and I went on to Macedonia. His heart was troubled. He had an open door. He was ministering there. But he felt like once again he needed to go to Macedonia. He wanted to go and to see Titus. He was looking for Titus. When Titus did not show up in Troas, he began to think that he needed to move into Macedonia. Now the timing of the year of this would, would be an opportunity that was starting to get close to winter. And so in his mindset, he's got to go find uh, Titus. And that's what he's uh, unrest about. That's what he's uneasy about. And so he's Heart is on Titus, and that's what he's thinking about, is Titus. And so he has this open door of ministry. But he moves from speaking about this open door of ministry to speaking about the fragrance of ministry. Look at verse 14. He says, but thanks be to God. Notice the but that's there. He's speaking about uh, how his heart is heavy, how his spirit has no rest there as he's concerned about Titus. 
But then on the next phrase, or the next words that come out of his mouth, but, there's a transition that's taking place from here to here. But, thanks be to God. Paul is always one who gives thanks to God. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, and this is just one of those instances. There's probably about five or six where he uses the same terminology, but he says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, as Paul gives thanks to God, uh, he must have met up with Titus and must have rekindled that and heard about what was going on in Corinth. And as he hears about what's going on in Corinth, there's a change of heart, there's a change of mind here. He says, uh, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. Christ always leads us in triumph. Christ leads us in victory, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who... Gives, uh, gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he says, but thanks be to God who in Christ Jesus leads us in this triumphal procession. This thought that he's sharing here, this triumph, is, is speaking about when the Roman generals would have victory and they would be moving back into the city uh, and they would have a procession back into the city and all of the prisoners of war would be there with them and it would be just a large... Uh, showing of the people celebrating the return of the general. And that's what Paul is picturing here and, and thinking about Christ and this victory and how he leads us in this triumphal victory. And notice he says, he always leads us in this triumphal procession. I think there's a reminder here that we need to follow Christ. The triumphal procession is only there when we follow Christ. Without Christ, there is no triumphal procession. It's only when we're with Christ. That's the only time that there's this triumphal procession. And we see that. This is in Colossians 2, verse 15. It says this, He disarmed the rulers and authorities, and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. It's only in Christ that we have that triumph. We don't have that triumph in anyone else. It's only in Christ. Now look at verse 14 as it continues. And it says, And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. The New American Standard uses the word manifest through us. This is the idea of making something visible. God is using Paul's team to make Jesus Christ and the knowledge of Christ visible for everyone. He uses the word fragrance there. And the word that's used here for fragrance is speaking about a costly perfume. Remember when Mary went and she poured the perfume on Jesus' feet and it was the expensive perfume? That's the word that's used here. Paul says, through us, makes known the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. God was using his team, Paul's team, to spread the knowledge of God everywhere. 
just as a fragrance spreads everywhere. Isn't it amazing how that works? When you put just a little air freshener somewhere, and you put it in the right spot, and the air conditioner or the heat vents catch it and carry it to other parts of the house. When you bring home that, that orchid that sets in the middle of the kitchen table and that orchid is strong enough that you can smell it in the next room. Paul says that he is being used by God as that fragrance of knowledge of Christ. So that fragrance, that knowledge of Christ can spread everywhere, just as a, just as a sweet-smelling aroma does. The stench of sin was something that was abundant in Corinth. But yet as people's lives were transformed, as they began to live for Christ, the fragrance of Christ began to spread to other parts of the city. You know, as I, as I think about that, I think about my own self. When people are around me, do they smell Jesus? Does the fragrance of Jesus permeate from my pores when people are around me? Paul says that as he's going, as his team is going, the fragrance of Christ, the knowledge of Christ is spreading everywhere. That's the kind of impact that the Apostle Paul was having. Notice what it says in verse 15. It says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God. As Paul's ministers, as Paul ministers to man, the aroma ascends to God. And it is pleasing to God as he see, sees Paul minister. As Paul carries the gospel to others, it's pleasing to God. It's a pleasant fragrance to God. It's amazing that when we are in Christ, when we are in Christ, God doesn't smell the stench of our sin. When we are in Christ, the aroma of Christ is pleasing to the nostrils of God. To please God was Paul's desire. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. It says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. That was Paul's desire, was to please God. Paul's proclamation of the gospel was pleasing to God. And that's what Paul desired to do, was to please God. His desire was not to please man, but to please God. Now, notice the fragrance and the effect of the fragrance. All right? Look at verse 15 as it continues. He says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. There are two groups of people here that Paul is talking about. There are those who are being saved and there are those who are perishing. Two groups of people. There are two different responses to the aroma of Christ. To some, those who are being saved, there is a sweet-smelling fragrance. To those who are 
rejecting Christ, there is a fragrance of death. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Verse 16 says, to one a fragrance from death to death. To those who reject the gospel, the fragrance of Christ is a fragrance of death. Because they are rejecting the only one that can save them. Instead of smelling that fragrance of Jesus and saying, oh, that smells so good. I want that. They smell that fragrance and they say, no thanks. I want no part of that. And they reject Jesus Christ. But this doesn't change Paul's fragrance. He desires to continue to spread the fragrance of Christ. And notice what happens to the next group. To the other a fragrance from life to life. There are those who see Paul, they smell the fragrance of Jesus that's coming from Paul, that's permeating from Paul, and they say, I want that. I want what you have. I love the smell of Jesus, and I want that fragrance. To be saved, Jesus is a sweet-smelling aroma. This is the same message. This is the same aroma. But it has a different effect on two different nostrils. Those who are being saved, it's sweet smell. But to those who are rejecting Jesus, it smells like death. This is 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. And we see the similar two sets. It says in verse 18, for the word of the cross is falling to those who are perishing. It's nothing but death. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen. It is the fragrance from life to life. That is the aroma. As you think about the two thieves on the cross, there was one thief that was there that railed against Christ. The aroma of Christ was stenched to his nostrils. But to the other thief who was on the cross, the same aroma touched his nostrils. And he told Jesus, don't forget me when you go to your kingdom. Two different sets of nostrils. One message, one aroma. And they received the aroma in different ways. They experienced the aroma in different ways. Verse 16 continues, and Paul says this, Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many peddlers of the God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Paul says he's not worthy of this ministry. This is beyond him. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Paul was not some cheap peddler of God's word. He was not looking to get rich. He was not trying to fool people with his fancy way of speaking. He was not a huckster. He was not some kind of snake oil trader that came through in a covered wagon. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, Paul says this, 
And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Verse 4 says this, My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, as Paul went, his desire was to be the aroma of the Lord Jesus Christ. To some, it would be sweet smell. To others, it would be rejected. But he gave them the pure aroma of Jesus Christ. Paul, he was commissioned by God. This was not something he did on his own. It was not his own desire. It was not his own hope. But he was commissioned by God. He knew that in the sight of God, as he proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ, it would be before God that he would give an account. So there you have it. The open doors of ministry and the fragrance of ministry. So what do we take home from this? What do we apply to our Sunday afternoons? I think the first thing as we look at this is we need to ask ourselves, are we looking for open doors of ministry? I think about Paul going to Troas the first time and finding a closed door of ministry and being led to Macedonia. But the second time he was in Troas, there's an open door of ministry and he began to use that open door and he began to proclaim Christ. And as we think about that, do we look for open doors of ministry? Well, you know, I was at Walmart last week and I got rejected there. I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if that's an open door or not. So I don't know if I'm going to do that or not. Not true. Next time I go to Walmart, I'm going to be looking for an open door of ministry. It may have been closed at one time, but it could be open the next time. We think about our family and friends who've given us the closed door. Well, what happens if something has happened in their life that we don't know about? And we go back there and maybe there's been a, an announcement of cancer in the family, or maybe there's been some other tragedy that's come into life, and all of a sudden the thing that they were holding on to has become shaking ground. And we come just at the right moment, and there's an open door of ministry there. We need to look for those open doors of ministry. We need to be seeking those open doors and, and looking to proclaim Christ in those moments that the door is open. We don't know how long the door is going to be open. Paul was there in Troas for a period of time, feeling led to Macedonia. Open door for a period of time. We need to look for those open doors and be ready for those open doors and proclaim in the midst of those open doors when we have that chance. As I was thinking about this, and I mentioned this in Sunday school as well, are we looking for opportunities to give thanks to God? Uh, sometimes as, as we think about the different things that are going on in our lives, Paul says, thanks be to God. He, in the midst of this, gives thanks to God. And that's what we were looking at in Colossians is Paul giving thanks to God. And when we reach that level of maturity, we are desiring to give thanks to God. 
Are we looking for those opportunities to give thanks to God? I'm ashamed to say that there are times that I have things on my prayer list that I, I pray for for months. And sometimes they are praises on my prayer sheet for, I don't know, a good week, maybe two. And I'm on to the next prayer request. And sometimes I just have to sit back and just think about the things that God has done in my life and the things that I have to be thankful for and focus on those. Because there are so many, the list is so great, and I have so much to be thankful for. I mean, look at me. I mean, not a lot going for me. But God has done so much for me. It's, it's beyond my comprehension. And as we really think about it, God has been so good to us. God has been so good to us. As we look at this and as we think about Christ leading us in victory, who are we following? Who are we following? Are we desiring to follow Christ? Or are we just following whatever whim comes up? Paul says when we follow Christ, there's victory. There's triumph. It doesn't say that there's always peaches and cream. But in the end, there's going to be triumph. When God leads us through something, when we're following Christ and we go through something, he's leading us in triumph. And so our desire should be to continue to follow Christ. As we make decisions, follow Christ. Christ is our, our best choice. Christ is the best one for us to follow. That's whom we need to follow. And the last thought I think we can take away from this I think we need to ask ourselves in the midst of this is how is our aroma? How is our fragrance? I know this never happens to you, but there are times when some people get ready to go out. And just before they leave the house, they give one of these. I know it's not you guys. I know you trust your underarm spray. But aren't we concerned sometimes about that aroma? But what about our aroma of Jesus? Do we give off an aroma that's all about Jesus? Sometimes, depending on our situations, we can blend in with the world. And our aroma can smell more like the world than it smells like Christ. How is our aroma? There are going to be times when our aroma of Christ to some is nauseousness to the nostrils. It's going to be that way for some. We're told it's going to be that way for some. But what about that one who's seeking that fresh fragrance? They're seeking the sweet aroma of something out there. But they have not found it yet. And they're seeking what about the opportunity that we have when we go into their presence? When we go into that presence, the one who's seeking, will they smell the aroma of Christ? Or will they smell more of the aroma of the world? I don't know about you, but I desire, it's my heart's desire, that they would smell Jesus. That they would smell Jesus. And I know for some it's going to be offensive. 
But I know there are some who are out there seeking that sweet fragrance. And I hope that when I come in contact with those who are seeking that sweet fragrance, that it's not one of those moments where I smell a whole lot like the world. I hope it's one of those moments that I, I smell more like Jesus than ever. That's the fragrance. That's the aroma that I want to be concerned.